Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Politics without the soap opera. With unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, economy, humanity, and all of it in between. We cover it all here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back to be here for a very exciting week. Um, It's the 13th of Monday, Monday the 13th, but it feels more like Friday the 13th. It's kind of interesting. I... Wanted to focus this week, obviously, on the third anniversary of 15 Days to Flatten the Curve, the Rise of the Fourth Reich, um, and everything about it. But we're not going to focus on it, but still focus on it, because it's actually sourced in the same thing. The banking collapse, the bailouts, the economic ventilator that we were placed on, the economic transformation without representation just like the social transformation without representation. It all stemmed from the same source. Back in March 2020, when the big man was in the chair as president, I'm sorry to say, not only did he go along with it, he viciously attacked Thomas Massey for trying to fight the fiscal and monetary policies that underwrote the lockdowns, the worst policies in American history. And... You know, we focused mainly on life and liberty aspects of COVID fascism for good reason, because that's life and liberty, right? You can't get beyond that. But now that we're focusing on the economy and you have the new bank bailout, there's a lot of commentary on it. The establishment is always is going to go along with it. Well, we don't like bailouts, but it's not really a bailout, but it is. And it had to be done. The more like populist conservatives are going to be like, well, you know, you're bailing out the big guys at the expense of the little guys. And that's that's true. That's that's a valid talking point. But what everyone's missing is this all is rooted in the covid policies. It really started years before the low interest rates, easy, loose, ultra loose money, the monetary manipulation, the monetary morphine, the monetary ventilator they placed the economy on the fact that our that an unelected federal reserve could serve as this central bank that jefferson and jackson didn't want and be the judge jury and executioner of our economy so we don't have a free market economy even before you get to taxation regular regulation subsidization regulatory capture the the federal reserve itself is the 800 pound gorilla in the room that makes it that you know the artificially inflate and encourage certain investors and inv- and investments over others, pick winners and losers. And this is where we're at now. They had to keep rates negative. They had to have $4.7 trillion of buying of securities in order to you know, put us on a ventilator. And now they can't get us off the ventilator because when they tried to offload just, what, $600 billion of the $4.7 trillion, and then raise interest rates just, you know, modestly relative to what it needed to be. Well, guess what? All those banks that extended themselves, overextended themselves based on the easy credit, now they 
Now they collapse. And you know what? Even after the bailout was announced Sunday night, the market, as we're talking, there is crashing no matter what. We always have to do everything to stop a stock market crash, and it's crashing anyway. So this is where we are, the vicious cycle from COVID fascism. Never forget that what is happening on this three-year anniversary with the economy is the same thing that's happening with our life and liberty died suddenly is banks crashing suddenly same thing it's not suddenly we know exactly what it is from but as always we're going to give you a vision on what we should do in addition to assigning blame first our sponsor today before i get in a bad mood this puts me in a great mood um with all these crazy kids doped up on screen time How about supporting a 15-year-old kid that has his own natural goat soap business? Our friends, uh, the Pittmans, QP is in Quinn Pittman, QPGoatSoap.com. They will offer you the only soap with natural ingredients, not pro-inflammatory garbage, raw milk, whole uh, oils, and citrus, ensuring these items are properly handled each step of the way. At Quit Quinn Pittman Goat Milk Products, they place product quality over profit margins. They have some new um, types now. I I love the Florida Peach. Um, I just got a shipment of my own. It is amazing. Their soap soap and shampoo. I've actually had people tell me that they suffer from dry skin dandruff, and it went away with this. Um, just like with food, you got to put things on your skin that are actually healthy. But in honor of Quinn's new goats, he just bought two new goats. I put out a picture online of that. They're offering 15% off, extending it for the rest of the month of March to celebrate. The promo code is new goats. So make sure you put that in when you go to qpgoatsoap.com. Uh, promo code new goats, 15% off. Um, a true Christian homeschooling, patriotic American family in Volusia County, Florida, a Blaze TV subscriber, and one of our own family here. Support QPGoatSoap.com. And again, 15% off with offer code NEWGOATS. So again, it's very apropos that we're dealing with this bailout. Um, Three years. Three years to the week after we started with the 15 days to flatten the curve, ending in March 27th with the worst bill in American history to underwrite you know, the $4.7 trillion uh, Federal Reserve stimulus along with the $5.5 trillion uh, congressional stimulus and several tranches uh, to underwrite the lockdown, to underwrite the Fourth Reich, to underwrite the hospital treatments, to underwrite the gene therapies and all of that. But there is a point that everyone is missing. Just like we have social transformation without representation embodied through the federal judiciary, that they make all of the important societal determinations, so too the Federal Reserve has economic transformation without representation. You see, Congress doesn't want to make hard decisions. So they rely on the Federal Reserve to do what Congress needs to be doing. So this is how a lot of people don't realize this. We're under a debt limit now. They hit the statutory debt limit. So how do they come up with $25 billion to to ensure not just the FDIC $250,000 minimum deposit, but but millions, everything? Every last penny that was in now now two banks, and it's probably going to be more, 
but Silicon Valley Bank and then Signature Bank in New York, which was uh, Barney Frank's uh, bank that he joined after screwing us with Dodd-Frank and destroying credit unions and small community banks through that. This federal, The Federal Reserve has created the equivalent with banking, what, what they did with healthcare. They created this consolidation, this easy money for those that have economies of scale to invest in garbage. Obviously, some of you might have seen this. If you haven't, it's important to know Silicon Valley Bank is responsible for 60% of the solar financing in this country. That's not natural. That's not free market. That's because of policies like this, near zero interest rates, the government picking winners and losers. And it's all done beyond statute. The Treasury Department working with the Federal Reserve, they just do what they want. Even after we hit a debt limit, they have endless money. Print it, store it, do whatever they want. So they're going to buy hundreds of billions of more mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, and then some direct handouts, And then, but they're saying it's not a bailout. And I promise you, given the way the market is today, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And it's important to recognize, yes, this cronyism. Yes, it's the big guy versus the little guy. You know, the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, Greg Becker, he was literally on the, a director on the San Francisco Fed until Friday. He also sold 3.6 million of his shares days before the bank went belly up. And coincidentally, the CFO of the company sold 32% of his holdings, and the CMO sold 28% a week before the rumors about the bank started. So, there, yes, there's corruption. But it's much more systemic than that. We shouldn't be doing any of this to begin with. To begin with. The Federal Reserve should never have this sort of power. We shouldn't have it at all. But if you believe it's too disruptive to get rid of it suddenly, they should be denuded of this power. That's the point that I'm going to be making that others, always the true north, the policy outcome we need. You see, for years, we were told that Democrats were like, yeah, it's the two Americas, the big guy versus the little guy, because they did that to support a progressive income tax and redistribution of wealth. But the thing is, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they weren't wrong about identifying the symptoms of the problem. They're wrong about identifying the cause and therefore the ensuing solution. They're the arsonists dressing up as the firefighters. We do have wealthy people taking advantage of everyone else, but not because we need to offer everyone else handouts. It's that you need to stop the unelected extra-constitutional market you know, manipulation. This is the problem. It started a long time ago, and COVID just accelerated it. Because we've been the reserve currency, so the government was able to get, get away with this because the treasuries were in demand throughout the world, so they were able to keep inflation relatively low while spending and printing money up the wazoo. But COVID was, was a bridge too far. That just, created, you know, it was just too much. And now we're stuck in this perpetual situation where inflation is so out of control. So they have to tighten the money supply, they have to raise the interest rates, and they have to offload some of their balance sheet. But again, like I told you, they offloaded only about $600 billion of, of $4.7 4 
And even the rate hikes, which were very steep relative to this generation, but historically still not, you know, 8% or so, which it historically was, maybe it made a dent in curbing it a little bit. Maybe it didn't. It's hard to tell. But the biggest outcome of this is that in order to do this now, everyone agrees, Goldman Sachs announced, that we're done. We are done with rate increases. They'll probably go back the other way. We're back to the big buying spree of the Federal Reserve, a.k.a. backhanded printing of money. Inflation is going to be up the wazoo in order to service the banking elites. And I don't have anything against bankers inherently. I ha- what I have, what, what as conservatives, our problem is, there shouldn't be an expectation that the Federal Reserve gets involved either way in the first place that creates a vicious cycle of either tight, tight cash or inflation. And then decisions are made not based on sound money, sound economic policy, but based on just insane market distortions that have nothing to do with anything but politics. That needs to end. It's not just, oh, stop bailing out banks, but look at the antecedent to this entire problem that we're caught in this vicious cycle that there's no way out of it between the fiscal stimulus, the monetary stimulus, the inflation, and then we're reliant upon it so we can't really reverse course because then it will get crushed. This is what we get now, which is stagflation, a terrible economy plus record inflation at the same time. That's the lesson here. But we need to clip the wings of the Federal Reserve from doing this. Now, very apropos today, with gold surging as the market crashes, right now I'm in the middle of finishing my tax returns for this year. I owe money because I have some royalties from the book um, that obviously didn't have withholdings. So, um, you know, I'm thinking of taking out for my wife as well an IRA. Um, Now, In the past, what I did is I put it into Vanguard and things like that. But why not put it into something of value now more than ever? While you're doing your taxes, if you, um, you know, you owe money, or even if you don't, you could take out about sixty five hundred off your taxes, both for yourself and your wife. So that would be a total of around thirteen thousand to put into an IRA, rather than putting it into the stock market casino that's crashing with all funny monopoly money created by the Federal Reserve. Protect yourself today with gold by texting Daniel to 989898. Um, Birch Gold has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They share our values. They've been in this for the long haul. They have a beautiful packet they put together when you text Daniel to 989898 uh, to teach you how to do that. Um, And then you could take your tax deduction off of your taxes before, what is it, April 17th this year. So again, do not allow your money to go down now is the literally the best time to invest in gold. <laughs> this is this is in the long haul. Text Daniel to nine eight nine eight nine eight to Birch Gold today, because folks, the reality is there's no way out of this, because the type of pain you're going to need to get out of this, there's no political will to do. So we're going to be in this vicious, vicious cycle. And by the way, I just wanted to say this underscores the importance of of decentralizing currency, not centralizing it. This bill from the Uniform Commerce Code that they put out to update it by banning cryptocurrency as definition of money while greasing the skids for central bank digital currency to be the only digital currency to be used. Thankfully, we got Christy Nome to um, you know, veto it. She's taking all the credit. That's fine. She wasn't going to do it without us, but that that that's great. That's where we need to use our influence. Thank, 
thanks to Glenn Beck for doing it. I know um, Christy was on with Glenn Beck today. But just north of there in North Dakota, they passed this out of both houses. They passed this in North Dakota. For those of you there, it is HB 1082. Now, Senator Judy um, Eastenson is filing a motion to re-bring the, the to, to re-up the bill and to conduct another vote to try to vote it down because a lot of people didn't understand this provision. So again, look in your state. I know Tennessee had a bill on this. I know Arizona, Montana, Missouri, um, Kentucky, Indiana. A bunch of states have had this provision um, in updating the UCC code. Make sure, you know, go to the... Um, what is it, the the uniform, the UCC's governing council, if you Google it, you'll see the legislation updating the code, and you'll see they have a list of the bills. Um, also, you can go to Conservative Review and click on my uh, articles and find, you know, a couple articles ago, you'll find my article on it, and I have a screenshot of that. Um, but folks, so you have Patrick McHenry, He's the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. I have confidence in our financial regulators and the protection already in place to ensure the safety and soundness of our financial systems. So they're backing this whole policy. TARP all over again, except at least TARP required a vote from Congress. (laughs) This is the Fourth Reich version of bailouts. They just do it on their own. There's no law anymore. They, They appropriate money on their own. They do whatever they want. It's the most important decisions that are done extra statutorily, extra constitutionally. That needs to change. That needs to change. So real briefly, what, what, what needs to happen here? So, so, so first off, what do they do? So Janet Yellen said, we're not going to bail them out. And then at like 6 o'clock Eastern time last night, Federal Reserve issued a joint statement with the FDIC and the Treasury Department saying that they're going to bail out not just uh, Silicon Valley Bank, but Signature Bank. The financing will be made available through the creation of the new bank term funding program, BTFP, offering loans of up to one year in length to banks, saving associations, credit unions, and other eligible depository institutions. Pledging what? Pledging U.S. Treasuries, Agency debt and mortgage-backed securities and other qualified assets as collateral. And again, that in itself creates so many market distortions and asset bubbles throughout the housing market and everything. These assets will be valued at par, meaning not market value. Not market value. So you know what that means. More printing money, more inflation. We're going back to extra, ultra-loose monetary policy. Because by promising to buy the assets at par, not at market value, that will loosen the bank credit beyond belief. And again, they'll be fat and happy while screwing us with inflation. See, again, I don't believe in populism as an end to itself. Oh, look out for the little guy over the big guy. I have no problem with success. Our point is we don't want unconstitutional market distortions doing this. Like I said, I'm a free market populist. When you understand free markets properly, not as corporatism like the antiquated Paul Ryan republicanism, it makes sense. But you can't just be a populist as an end to itself. That's another thing. Even before COVID and the stimulus, 
Trump was a big supporter of negative interest rates. He always loved that. He loved the Fed because he he worked in that world and and they benefited from it. And I, I understand it. But this notion that he's somehow a you know one of us is just absurd. But again, I know people get upset when I mention anything about the big man, even though this whole freaking thing started under him. Two-year treasury note was down like 84 basis points the last time I checked. The sharpest drop since the 87 crash. Again, I mean, the amount of inflation that will create on top of it. See, typically in the past when we had market crashes, we had, you know, low inflation, obviously, because they work inversely. But but this is going to be the worst stagflation we're headed into. Um, and And that's where we are. That's where we are, folks. But fear not. The Biden administration is seeking to spend like $890 billion on defense. More and more money. They just put out their budget. Do you ever wonder why Democrats are some are suddenly um, budget hawks? Don't you find that not, – not budget hawks. I mean defense hawks. Don't you find that interesting? That was always a conservative thing. What do you think they want to use the military for? That should scare you all. We need to change this conservative orthodoxy of, oh, you know, fund the military. We don't, I, you know, defund the military at this point. It's woke and broke. It's weaponized against us. Surveils us, creates viruses. Certainly not going to fight the right battles. So, um, yeah, that's where we are now with the bailouts. But I want to get to a very, very, very special guest to discuss this more our guest segment today is sponsored by Patriot Academy. Um, I just made my plane tickets and my arrangements to go to Fredericksburg, Texas, Patriot Academy's new campus where they have their own gun ranges. So now our constitutional handgun defense courses run by Rick Green at a Patriot Academy. Now it's on their own campus with their own program. More exciting than ever. Go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. If you want to see me, join me and other members of this audience and embark on a life-changing course that will teach you how to properly draw from the holster, clear malfunctions, improve your marksmanship, your confidence, your safety awareness, basically how to win a gunfight, you know, how to actually live the Second Amendment, not just abstractly support it, but live it and know how to use a handgun, classes begin on... Sunday, April 23rd, I will be there Sunday evening through Wednesday. The class goes through Thursday. Um, and and by the way, you can look on their schedule. Again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel, and you will find they're now going to have them much more often now that they have their own campus pretty much every other week. And if you pass this course, they're going to have an intermediary, intermediate level handgun course as well as shotgun and rifle. So that's going to be exciting as well. Um, but I will. I can't guarantee you when I'll be there next, but I will be there at the April 23rd inaugural course. Again, that's patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So anyway, I thought today would be really apropos, rather than bringing in you know a big economist or something to talk about this, to bring in the true firefighter, not the arsonist, uh, the man who was there March 27th. Um, and I know this is not March 27, 2020. It's not the anniversary, but it is that anniversary of the 15 days to flatten the curve that led to this. And people think this is a new crisis. You know, every day we're used to a new crisis. The world is falling apart. Life, liberty, property, 
food, fuel, you name it, banking. But it's not new. We focus so much on the life and liberty aspects of COVID fascism because life and liberty you can't live without. But there is, I guess, what's embodied through the property part of it, the economy, is still reverberating. Inflation is not a natural disaster. The supply chains is not a natural disaster. All the economic fallout and now the bank problem, it's not in a vacuum. It came from a certain decision that one man and one man only really tried to fight it. And imagine if he would have been listened to. Now we've been placed on this economic ventilator where there's no way off. There's no way off. You're caught between the need for easy credit to survive versus endless, endless, endless out-of-control inflation. All because of the expectation that an unelected body of Federal Reserve is able to act extra statutorily, extra constitutionally, and be the judge, jury, and executioner of our economy. So with us today is the one and only Congressman Thomas Massey. Hey, Thomas. Hey, it, it hey Daniel. March 27th. I was going to wait until then to have you back, but we can't wait. <laughs> We're coming up on the three-year anniversary of me being the most hated man in Washington, D.C., and uh, but through here three years later, I'm uh, maybe I was the most right person in Washington, D.C. By the way, uh, you don't have an economist on. That's true. But somebody on Twitter said, hey, Massey, uh, I know they teach econ at MIT. You should have taken a few classes when you were there. <laughs> and I replied and I said, I, I actually took three economics classes at MIT but my macroeconomics professor was Paul Krugman, so I'm probably not that qualified. <laughs> well, even Paul Krugman, I think, would know that if you put an economy on a ventilator, meaning where they need this easy money and low interest rates, the $4.7 trillion extra balance sheet, and then you start offloading it and raising interest rates, well, then yeah. you're going to have problems. So isn't this rooted in yes. March 2020. Yes, it is. It's a long COVID response. You know, <laughs> they talk about long COVID. This is this is fallout from March 27, 2020, when our government tried to pass by unanimous consent, our Congress, uh, and I forced them to come to Washington, D.C. and vote on it. And they hated me for it. But I knew it was going to be the worst mistake ever, worse than anything else that Congress has ever done, not, I mean, it had bad policy that caused inflation, you know, pay people not to go to work, uh, put the governors in the moral hazard of shutting down their economies because the, uh, because Congress is going to pay them to do it and they won't get the money if they don't. Uh, but the worst thing they did, Daniel, and this is what we're feeling right now with these banks shutting down, is they created $5 trillion out of thin air and injected it into the money supply. Now, they put it into the economy. Only about 20% of it went to individuals. A lot of it got filtered through companies. And what they were doing is they were trying to keep the stock market going while those companies weren't manufacturing anything. They wanted consumers to go out and buy. They put the economy on a sugar high but they diluted our currency. Now, I, you know, I went through this uh, a few days ago. I explained the four different roles that the Federal Reserve played and how it affected 
our current situation, how it led to the malfeasance and uh, problems at the Silicon Valley Bank. First of all, the Fed was Santa Claus for many years. Ho, ho, ho. He br they brought the presents, which was free, easy credit at almost zero rates. And uh, that did a couple of things with respect to Silicon Valley Bank. Number one, when, you, when the banks are giving you zero interest and when the bonds are paying almost nothing, what do the, what do the big money investors do with their money? Well, and even the small investors, they go into the stock market because yep. that's the only place you can get any kind of return. There's no safe place to get a return. Well, if you've got a lot of money, you don't just go into the stock market, you go into venture capital. So the venture capital uh, coffers, and, and I'm not anti-venture capital. I raised $32 million of venture capital for my own company when I was in business. You're anti-venture socialist. <laughs> yes, venture socialism. That is what we have. So um, so you had Santa Claus. The Fed was the Santa Claus in, in the beginning. Ho, ho, ho. Then they became the arsonists. Okay, COVID hit. And the Fed created $5 trillion because the government, the Congress and, and President Trump at the time, and then later President Biden, they wanted to spend lots of money. But guess what? Nobody could loan them $5 trillion. $5 trillion was not available to borrow and certainly not at the cheap, cheap, low, low rates. And by the way, <laughs> while, while the Fed was Santa Claus, uh, Silicon Valley Bank was buying those bonds, uh, locking their own assets into 10 year. You know, they had to wait 10 years to get them back. Meanwhile, they're making they're taking short term deposits and making long term investments at those low rates. But that's when they were Santa Claus. Yep. Now we're up to arsonist. The Fed was the arsonist. They are the ones who created this inflation. I'm sorry. Every everybody who's honest, anybody who's got any common sense knows that when you dilute the money that's out there, then when you inject more money into the money supply, you dilute the money that's out there, and then the money that's out there is less valuable. That is the textbook definition of inflation. Now let's get to the well, third well, And role. let me just say, too much money chasing too few yes. goods, but even worse than that, because the very too much money underwrote the lockdown, which created the greatest supply chain shortage, so right. you have even fewer things to chase. But chasing, chasing basically inventory because we were paying people not to go make things, and then and then giving them money to go buy things. Okay, so now we've we've gone through two uh, roles that the Treasury has played. They were Santa Claus for so many years. Then they were the arsonists. But most recently, Daniel, they came in on a white horse. They're the fire brigade to douse inflation by raising <laughs> interest rates. Uh, at a, and by the way, probably not to bad levels, but they raised them so quickly that in, in the mix of bonds that a bank like Silicon Valley Bank held, uh, they couldn't, you know, normally if rates change slowly, you would have an average rate. Uh, in your portfolio of assets at a bank. But what happened is Silicon Valley Bank had all of these bonds that were, you know, at like 1% or whatever they were. And uh, then now the market demands 5% or 4%. And, 
And so, the, you know, they, they threw a wet blanket on the economy. This is their, their one trick pony. This is how they, how they slow down an overexcited economy. The problem is our economy wasn't overexcited. Our money supply was. <laughs> Stagflation. So, yeah. So here's what else happened. Those venture capitalists, you know, the, the rich people who have money and they want to keep their money and they want to get a return on it. They said, wow, I can get 5% now and I don't have to put it at great risk by investing in these venture firms. Well, I'll just take the safe bet now that we're getting 5%. So the net deposits of venture capital money at Silicon Valley Bank, remember that's what they specialized in was venture capital deposits from, from the startups. The venture capitalists put the money in the startups and the startups put it in the bank. Those net deposits went down and uh, so and meanwhile, their, poor, their assets were locked in at these low rates. What does it mean when you have an asset that's locked in at a low rate and rates are now high? It means if you try to go sell that bond or that piece of paper, whether it's a long-term bond or a short-term note, uh, it means you'll get 80 cents on the dollar maybe mm. if you need the money now. You know, if you're willing to wait for it, you're going to get all your money back from the treasury, right? But you're going to get a very small return in the meantime. So uh, the arsonist now becomes the firefighter. And now we're at the, the fourth phase of the Fed's role. They're the trauma doctor. Okay. <laughs> they, they were Santa Claus and uh, in the beginning... Uh, ho, ho, ho. And then, uh, you know, they they were the arsonist at some point in here. Uh, now they're the firefighter. Now we've got all these injured banks and all these injured invest uh, depositors into the bank. So the Fed today is the trauma doctor. And I was on a phone call last night with a couple hundred U.S. representatives, senators and and uh, a representative each from Treasury, FDIC and uh, uh, and the Fed, all three of them were represented on this phone call, and they're explaining what they're going to do today. First of all, the FDIC is going all in. They're pushing their chips onto the table. Okay, they've got enough money to make every investor whole. This is the moral hazard, right? The the FDIC was taking premiums from banks so that people who had accounts up to $250,000 would be made whole on any in, during any yeah. bank run. But they're making But now they're saying we're going to make whole the $10 million investor. But we're using the premiums that were paid to protect the little investors. Okay? And they think it's a smart thing to do and it I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. It's a high-stakes game of poker. They're pushing all their chips in to to bolster confidence. But I think sophisticated investors are going to realize the FDIC is basically, once they install this firewall, they can't, if the firewall is breached, they have not much left for the third and fourth bank. By the way, a second bank failed Sunday. Yep, signature <laughs> bank. And, and, and now there's trading halted on many others, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes further. So you're saying we're at the trauma stage, but the problem yeah. is 
there's two levels of conflicting trauma because you have the triage of the banks, but then you have the triage of the consumer with inflation, which is already a high baseline. Let's oh. just say, I mean, we don't know for sure, but let's just say the you know tighter policies maybe stemmed some of the increase that could have been even worse in inflation, maybe. But now, I mean, now it's off to the races the other direction. So isn't yeah. this going to be just an inflation bonanza? Yes. Um, so uh, let me get let me finish out the the trauma role that the Fed has played because the trauma doctor. Th- I, I described how the FDIC is being the trauma doctor, but everybody knows the FDIC doesn't have enough deposits to cover every bank in the country if they're going to cover every investor above two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So the Federal Reserve has stepped up and said. If you're a bank who's in trouble, well, actually, just if you're a bank, I don't think you have to be in trouble. Um, if you're a bank who bought some of our paper at, you know, one and a half percent, and now the, that paper you bought is worth 80 cents on the dollar, and you've, you've invested, your depositors who came to your bank, you invested it with the treasury, and you... And you bought some stuff that you thought would hold its value, but it went down to 80 cents because we've raised the interest rates. Well, if that's the situation you find yourself in, the Fed will loan you money today, not at 80 cents on the dollar for those for that discounted uh, paper. Yeah, at par, which means we're going to give you the the uh, retail value. So we're going to give you a dollar on a dollar, even though we'll loan it to you, even though we know it's worth 80 cents on the dollar. Now, the problem with that is um, how does the Federal Reserve finance the missing 20 cents? They've well, got to. Cr- they say um, uh, U.S. Treasuries, agency debt and mortgage backed securities and other qualifying assets as collateral. Yeah. They will they will create money out of thin air Um, and and especially the you know, the Fed's balance sheet is going to increise and this in a a, negative direction. And this means that that what they are doing, they're also probably going to have to lower interest rates. So when when really they needed to raise them. Right. So they're going to loan banks more money which injects money into the economy. It's got to come from somewhere. I'm not sure exactly what perpetual motion machine they're going to use to create it, but that's going to be inflationary. And the fact that they're probably going to have to lower rates is like going to be inflationary. So they're not just on a ventilator, they're on remdesivir and we're killing the kidneys (laughs) at this point. And there's no way out of it. That vicious cycle with stagflation now where, where we're reliant, they, they made the in, oh. entire economy reliant on this loose money. Wait, it gets even better. <laughs> we are, um, we've hit the debt limit, Daniel. Well, I, I, I was going to ask you about that. People are wondering, but, how is it that we have the biggest decisions being made? See, at least TARP, there was a vote on. This is just all being done without Congress. And, and by the way, you guys are out of session this week. Um, and with a debt limit having been hit already? <laughs> well, th- consider this, okay. Um, <clears throat> Joe Biden is selling, we're in extraordinary measures. So we're still spending money, even though we're not taking on more debt. 
By the way, we're incurring liabilities, though. So um, how do we get the cash? Well, Joe Biden is liquidating uh, federal employees' pensions and the healthcare workers, like health, or I'm sorry, the postal workers' healthcare fund is being liquidated. He's he's liquidating. Uh, if if you work for the government and you have a pension, he's selling off the assets in that pension to fund pensions in Ukraine. Like th- this mm-hmm. is insane to me. Like if once you put this together, what's happening? But here's here's the thing that's going to happen. I haven't seen anybody in the news talk about Daniel. When whenever Congress decides to resolve the debt limit, the fact that we've hit the debt limit and we've been spending money, even though we hit the debt limit and we haven't borrowed any more money. You know what happens that day? We go out and get like uh, when I say we, I mean, the Treasury will immediately need about a trillion dollars in June to, uh, to, you know, to pay back the pensions and the, yeah. and the things that Joe Biden has been selling off. And then they're going to need operating money to spend because we're about to pass more spending bills. And, it, and in the meantime, we still need the money to spend. What happens in June when the Treasury says, all right, we need a trillion dollars right now? Well, the, there's going to be a temptation to print it because there's not going to be a lot of appetite given this bank situation for the banks to come out and buy uh, our debt. That's what got them in the, this problem. They bought too much U.S. debt. Now, I've heard uh, economists and people from Wall Street and the bank say, well, it won't be a problem to sell our debt because interest rates are so high and everybody likes to buy bonds at 4%, U.S. bonds. Uh, the problem is they may not be at 4%. Like, remember, the trauma doctors are at work. and yeah, they're, they're going to lower they're, it. Because yeah, I they're think, trying to stabilize. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, the trauma doctors are trying to stabilize the patient. So they're giving it um, injections, you know, uh, blood transfusions and putting it on electrolytes, which means they're loaning it money and they're going to the, the uh, bank's money and they're going to probably lower interest rates because they they messed around and found out what, what happens when you yep. raise interest rates. <laughs> Yep. That might be my next tweet as soon as I get off this podcast. They they, the, they they tried to wean people off the ventilator without, you know, anti-inflammatories and ivermectin and other stuff. Then this is what you get. And, you know, what, what, what concerns me now is that this will give them more leverage, like you said, with the debt ceiling. Because they'll say, oh, no, this is not the time to mess around. We have an emergency crisis. And, and broadly what you're describing, okay, the Santa Claus arsonist, firefighter, trauma doctor, rinse and repeat. We have economic transformation without representation. We have This is why we have a fake, phony economy, a fake Wall Street, fake assets, fake asset bubbles, investments based on anticipation of Federal Reserve um, actions and reactions, and then they use it to fund investments that you know, are because of the fiscal, you know, oh, socialism, no. like, like, uh, you know, you know, this bank, Silicon Valley funded 60% of, um, of the solar investments in this country. It's, it's Daniel, all a fake economy. No, Daniel, I got to tell you, Congress is intimately involved. We were given a courtesy call last night at, uh, at 7 PM to tell us exactly what the 12 people in the room are doing who aren't elected 
who f- former bosses and future bosses are the banks that they're propping up. Uh, you know, they were so polite to let us know. And we were even allowed about 20 minutes of 30 minutes of questioning. Uh, so, yeah, you still have some semblance of representation. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. One of the questions asked, and and I tweeted this last night as soon as I got off the call and people are going to blame me for a run on the banks, but you got to have transparency and people are mad because I won't name the senator. But one of the questions last night in our phone call where we had the Fed, one person from the Fed, one person from the Treasury and one person from FDIC on the phone call, a, a Democrat senator asked, um, is there a program right now, because there should be a program at social media companies to censor any uh, discussion that could lead to a run on the banks. Boom. Now, so so I just want to phrase that so people know that th- this is the next big thing, right? So you have COVID, the censorship, January 6th censorship, BLM censorship, Ukraine censorship. It's the new MO with any the new big current thing. They need a free um, runway to plow that ground for themselves without any opposition. Yeah, look, go back. Um, actually, Michael Schellenberger, who's of the Twitter files, uh, who's not a right-wing guy, right? Uh, he, he alerted me on Twitter that actually censoring financial uh, discussions has already been posted as part of the charter for CISA. Oh, uh, CISA. That's DHS, um, yeah. Yeah, part of DHS. So this senator who asked this question, frankly, was just committing candor. Uh, he, you know, forgot he was in a forum where it might get out. There might be a Thomas Massey on the call who is going to report to the public that the government is talking about censoring uh, your discussions about the 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 health of the bank that your money might be in. Now, uh, ostensibly, let me give him the benefit of the doubt, presumably, he was talking about Russian interference. You know, oh, well, uh, there could be Russians who would like to see our banks collapse. So maybe there are (laughs) Russians on Twitter who are doing this. Let me let me assure you, if they knew they were Russians, Russians who are not in the United States don't have any civil rights, there there would already be our military would already be shutting down those accounts and there would be no adjudication. They're not ta- they're not talking about that. They're talking about Amer- this senator. I'm you know, whether he realizes it or not, he's talking about censoring Americans under the veil of keeping or that our national security they always invoke national security our national security depends on the health of our banks and um we've got to censor not not wrong information but true information that could be hurtful to the banks so i know you've got a hard out here going on my buddy glenn's show here I want to get one more thing from you where we're headed. So, again, there's going to be a lot of populist outrage, and it's not wrong. Oh, it's we're against bailouts, moral hazards, them versus us, things like that. But there's the more fundamental thing you're driving at. I'm just looking now, the two-year Treasury note. It's now down over 100 basis points. Again, I mean, that that portends, uh, you know, really a lot of inflation coming. There's going to be so much more QE than we could think. There's going to be so much more, uh, I I agree with you, uh, rate reductions. So 
th- this all leads to one thing that I-, I think Senator Mike Lee years ago had a bill doing exactly this. I have to check up what it was. But shouldn't our ask for whatever we do or don't do now to stop this economic transformation without representation and repeal the Humphrey Hawkins bill from 1978, which empowers them to have this dual mandate that achieves sustainable employment and price stability, that they should only fight, focus on price stability. So therefore, you know, there's no ability to create a stimulus. Uh, Wall Street can't anticipate it and they can't build an artificial economy off of it. There's no more market distorting, you know, manipulation of this stuff. They can no longer buy up securities and bonds such as mortgage-backed securities. They can't do this. Just keep a stable currency. Is there any appetite to push legislation like this? Well, um, I mean, that presumes there should be a Federal Reserve Bank. No, I understand, and I don't think like, there should be one. But I'm just yeah, trying I don't to either. Plow a middle if ground. You, if you could, I mean, right now they exist to uh, socialize the the losses of the connected and ultra rich. That's why they exist. <laughs> I mean, in large part, they can well beyond the original charter or their uh, stated charter. So that would be a good thing. I suppose, to reel them in, that would reduce the number of roles they play. They would still, uh, in, we, you know, unless we also say you can't create money out of thin air as part of your role of keeping prices, you know, stable. You know, yeah. one of your tools is no longer to monetize our debt. Exactly. Because uh, that's what got us into this. I, don't, I frankly don't think they're smart enough uh, to, I don't think anybody's smart enough to to centrally control our money. We'd be better off with some, you know, relying on natural market forces to determine what interest rates should be, frankly. No, for sure, for sure. And I think that's what it needs to be if you're going to have it. Just focus on stable prices and that's it and i i agree that you, we we shouldn't even have it for that and andrew jackson when he was opposing a central bank he, he never even envisioned this type of stuff um I, that's by the way what, yeah i i don't think it's just i mean yeah um you could say it's a populist notion that we shouldn't bail out and this and that and the other thing but i think it's more than just populism uh people you know, there's there's a good ideological reasons <laughs> to not do this, and and well reasoned reasons to not have a Federal Reserve who plays these games and is Santa Claus, and then the arsonist, and then the firefighter, and then the trauma doctor. Uh, there are sound reasons not to do that, and I think maybe the people are waking up to that. I, I really, really hope so, because this th- this needs to be the thing. To me, I'm not even so worried about, do you do a few hundred billion bailout now or not? I mean, obviously, we oppose it, but it's systemically, like we said, are you going to get to the antecedent of this entire problem um, that all the decisions Congress doesn't want to make but really wants, they outsource. It's kind of like, just like with judicial supremacism. Okay, so that's social transformation without representation. Here they outsource economic transformation to to the Federal Reserve, and that really does need to end. And 
I just think audit the Fed is not going to do enough at this point. I think you need to slash their wings at a minimum. Um, obviously, abolish it if we can, but at least slash those wings to engage in this monetary manipulation. I really appreciate you being all over this, as you always are. Um, folks can now hear you on the on the House floor, every bill, at least when yeah. you guys are in session. So turn into C-SPAN there and definitely keep us updated and keep us keep us vigilant. Uh, will do. Um, you know, it's not like there's a, a whole legion of political eunuchs that work at FDIC <laughs> and and at, at uh, Treasury and at the uh, Federal Reserve. I mean, they they all have political motivations. They don't get a lobotomy when they go there. They are they're calling up. They're talking to bank presidents as they work this plan out. Uh, they are not independent. So the idea that they can't report to Congress or that would make them do political things is just ridiculous. That would just, what it would do is it would make them accountable and it would yeah. make Congress who has the uh, constitutional responsibility to coin money and set the value thereof, uh, it would make us responsible for the job we've been given by the founder. So uh, yeah, thanks and uh, great. Thanks for having me on. I just want to mention, if you want to try and find me on Twitter, that's the one platform I use. It's at Rep Thomas Massey, M-A-S-S-I-E. Or you can look for a hashtag, Sassy with Massey. Sassy with Massey. There you go. There you go. Must must follow Twitter account. Thanks so much for joining us today. Take care. Thanks, Daniel. Bye-bye. Man, I can listen to Massey all day long. It is just like music to my ears. What a brilliant man. What a, you know, there's, there's somehow that just conflation or, or, or confluence of um, intelligence with courage. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, I'm just not going to allow people to forget where this came from, where this came from, and where it's headed. They, they said it's not going to cost taxpayers a dime. Yeah, of course not. Taxes are not the primary issue anymore. It's going to cost taxpayers thousands more than it already is for vital goods and services to live every year. A lot more than what most people pay in federal income taxes, which generally is not a lot for most people earning, you know, below 200,000 or so, especially married with kids. um, It's going to be through the cost of living. And I don't want to hear complaints about inflation. If you're a Republican backing this, like the, Chairman of Financial Services in the House, much less the senators. And, you know, Kevin McCarthy is awfully quiet today so far. But it's worse than that. Like I mentioned, and I I alluded to this with Congressman Massey. I just want to explain in the closing minutes. Every time they say, oh, we're going to do big things, big things. Trump also, we're going to do big things, big things. And then when you reach the Super Bowl, that inflection moment, they do worse things. They go the other direction. Well, this is an exception. It's a crisis, the banking crisis, COVID crisis. But then what's worse than that is even if you feel you have to agree to something short-term, you trade it for a long-term systemic reform so that it doesn't happen again. And what my message is, more than the big guy versus the little guy as an end to itself, this is about the Federal Reserve itself. And there's two policies out there that I feel are straw men. Number one is audit the Fed. I'm not against it. It's just not going to do much. It's not enough. And then there's the other thing, abolish the Fed, which I'm all for, but I just don't see it happening. Even my thing is going to be very hard to push. But the middle ground is, again, 
Andrew Jackson opposed the central bank. He, he once said the bold effort the central bank has made to control the government are but premonitions of the fate that awaits the American people should they be diluted into a perpetuation of this institution or the establishment of another like it. And he was worried about that even as a central banker. But all I'm saying is just at least revert it back to pre-1978 when it was just a central bank and focus on one statutory goal of price stability with money, not on tinkering with the economy and employment and recessions and, and, and set, artificially setting interest rates. So that they, one, they can't do that with the interest rates. And number two, they, they'd be banned from buying up these securities and monetizing the debt. Those are the tools they have. So therefore, if Congress wants something, they got to vote on it. That's what we need. As, as Congressman Massey said, they, the, the Federal Reserve has basically been turned into an institution to socialize the losses of the well-connected. And we see it time and again, time and again, and the American people lose. Now, yeah, obviously, we're all connected eventually with the banking, with the you know, stock market, and people have their you know, pensions in it and whatever. But that's what it's become about. It distorts the entire market even before you get to fiscal policy and regulatory policy and subsidies and things like that. Just the, the injection of $5 trillion into an economy alone through monetary policy is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We don't have a free market as long as that's around. That needs to end. That needs to be the direct call of action for the presidential candidates. I want to hear from them on this. Again, Trump has already been a big fan of low interest rates and monetary manipulation. But but yeah, it, 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 it's great while it's going until it doesn't. And then you have a problem. Instead, you can't have, you know, unnatural low and then you have to unnaturally raise it in order to reach the equilibrium and then that created these problems and it's a lose-lose situation like I would be okay to me it would be a much better thing a, a few hundred billion bailout it's all monopoly money anyway in return for clipping the wings of the Federal Reserve going forward but instead we're going to get this without any reforms so here we are, 15 days to flatten the curve, and we're still being flattened by it. Died suddenly. The regulatory biomedical security surveillance state is growing. The number of poisonous experimentations are growing. Oh, and then we're suffering the inflation, as Massey and I warned about at the time. And I want to make it very clear. I don't even blame Trump for the immediate decisions and the immediate panic. It's that we gave reason arguments day after day, week after week, month after month. Like, certainly once you got to the second stimulus a couple months later, he didn't need to go along with that and could have banned lockdowns, but he didn't. Fauci and Burks were running that show until, until the very end of his presidency. That's the reality. Is this really the, the, the man of the hour? Again, my, my main issue is not even the presidential candidates, the right policies. As always, we focused on that today. But everything is about this man sucking the oxygen out of the room 
as if he's the big savior. And then when we point out the fact, wait a minute, not only was he president, but he was president at the most pivotal time in our nation's history. And it's not just like he was, you know, didn't stop it. You know, I saw someone say, Daniel, that was Congress. We need Congress. He signed the bill. But it's not just he like he passively signed it. He viciously attacked Massey, endorsed a primary challenger, who lost 80-20, by the way, against him, and against anyone who st- um, spoke out. And, and, and I could tell you, I know this for a fact, a big part of why Massey didn't have many, you know, backup friends, he didn't have reinforcements, is because they were scared to cross Trump. Had you had a Democrat at the time, it would have been a much more of a limited policy because you would have had checks and balances. Hate to say it, but that's the reality. So never forget, don't get gaslit. This is not a new thing. This is a continuation. And that's why it's not just a woke bank. Some people are focused on, oh, they made stupid decisions and corruption. And that might be true. But I don't you know, deny the fact that this probably is much more systemic with banks overextending themselves because of the low interest rates that suddenly became high. So they're getting 80 cents on a dollar. And it is a systemic problem. It probably is bigger than those two banks. And this is happening in real time. But why? It's because we didn't have the right leaders focusing on the right issues in the right way at the right time. That, my friends, is the lesson. Will we learn it? More later this week on this and many more issues. Email me, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com at rmconservative on Twitter. Make sure to get Rise of the Fourth Reich if you haven't gotten it on Amazon. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.